Hey, it's Tariq Ali. A little birdie told me that you wish there was more frequent uploads to help you in your healing journey and that you didn't have to wait months for the next podcast episode. Well, now you don't have to. Check the description to find out how you can leap into healing, the subscriber edition of this podcast where you will get weekly episodes. Yep, you heard me. Weekly episodes. These exclusive subscriber-only episodes will include tools and tangible practices and methods I've come up with to help you heal and grow, reviews of the main show episodes for messages you may have missed, and even more bonus episodes like affirmations, mindset shifts, and Ask Tariq. Check out the description so you can find out more and start leaping into healing today. Hello, beautiful people. Welcome back to That Conversation with Tariq Ali, a podcast where we have the hard conversations that help us grow. I just really wanted to start off this episode with some trigger warnings. I know that, okay, this is a podcast for healing, okay, so we get into it. So all of the episodes are going to be a little triggering, but I really wanted to start this one with a trigger warning of sexual assault, drug abuse, and eating disorders. This episode is going to be me sitting down with a close friend of mine that, you know, we talk about you know her journey with addiction and how it's been really hard for her to manage and just talking about where she is now in her journey it's a very 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 transformative episode one of my favorites to date if you would like to also watch the visual to this podcast it will be on my youtube at Tariq Ali please make sure that you rate and review uh, this podcast this episode so that you can help support me and yeah uh, we can get right into the episode Hello, beautiful people. Welcome back to That Conversation with Tariq Ali, where we have the hard conversations that help us grow. Today, I am here with one of my friends, Mary B. Hello, guys. Say hi, Mary. Okay, so I know you said you don't want to speak too close to the mic, but just bring it closer to you a little bit. Okay. There you, there you go. So they can feel me. How you feeling? I'm great. I've been really, really looking forward to seeing you. Really? Yeah, I haven't seen you in some months, and... The last time we spoke, I was going through so much, and we never really touched base after that. Yeah. So, yeah, I didn't really know what the next time would be like with you, and I'm glad we're in this setting. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. How are you? Hmm. I'm having a good day today. Okay. I think that we're going to relate a lot today. I just feel it. And also just things that I've been struggling with a little bit. But um, before we get straight into the conversation, you see us, right? We're like, (laughs) welcome back to the podcast. Um, I'm so happy to have you guys here. I'm so happy to have Mary here. Mary has been a friend of mine for now. It's been, we've officially passed the year mark. Yeah. 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 So Mary's been my friend now for a year. I met her here in LA. We just, ever since we met, I met her at a bar. She was a bartender. Yes. I just hit it off with her at the bar getting a drink. And then I just kept coming back and requesting her and just talking to her. And I'm like, girl, I love you. Like we need to hang out outside of this. Um, and so we hung out outside of that and we became friends. Yeah. Um, our relationship started a bit unorthodox. Yeah. Because. As a bartender, you have to be so nice and chit-chatty with everyone, but I really bonded with you as well. And when you came in, I started to look for your face too. Um, So when you like opened up the door saying that you wanted to actually be friends with me and hang out outside of work, I was really, really happy about it. The moment you told me you were from the DMV, I was like, oh. Yeah, period. (laughs) That's my people. But I don't think I answered your question. I think I'm I'm good. I'm, I'm, did I answer? 
you said you were good today. Yeah. But that's, I want to know how you've been. We haven't talked in some months. Okay, so yeah. So right now in this moment, I do feel a little anxiety in my chest. Okay, why? Now, usually when I feel anxiety in my chest... There's usually fear at the bottom. So it's some fear. Not too sure what it is, but it's, it's probably like a fear of performance. Like we're here in front of the camera and yeah. we're doing something, you know. So it's probably that. But I know that that usually goes away the more I go into. I know you've mentioned before mm-hmm. how you, uh, someone, one, one of your friends, I called you out about being like Tariq. And then Tariq Ali. Like, there's a mm-hmm. personality that you turn on when the camera comes on. Yeah. And you were trying your best to work through that because yeah. you didn't necessarily like the switch yeah. of having, like, the camera personality on. Yeah. And I wonder I wonder if that's what the fear. Well, actually, right now, it's more of like a... That was a thing. That definitely it was a thing. I've gotten so much better with that. But I, I think right now is more of like a... I haven't done an episode like this one in a while with okay. a person. Okay. All of the episodes I've been doing have been solo and like talks. But my last episode I did with a person and the episodes I do with people, they're always fruitful and they're always so great. And people are like, oh my God, we need, need more of this. And I think I'm putting pressure a little on myself for this to be great. And But I do that with everything I work on. It's the perfectionism that's, you know, rooted in my trauma. But I just affirm myself and just, I hold the fear. I know it's there, but it's like, it's going to be great regardless because we're here and I'm me. And usually anything I create is great and I love it. So I'm not too worried about it, but the fear is still there. I'm doing it with the fear. But yeah, in today's episode, really, guys, you've been here before. If you listen to the other episodes, uh, especially episode seven, Toxic Relationship with Taylor, you know, I'm a healer. I'm a speaker. I talk. This is really what I do in my my real life. <laughs> I just sit down and talk to people. This is going to be a conversation of us really like going to brunch. This is how we really talk. talk yeah. Um. So that's why before we even started filming and you know turning on the mics, I was like, this is just a combo. Like, don't think you have to sit here and give a poise answer. Like, yeah. we are literally. I want us to catch up how we would normally catch up, and it's through our humanity and friendship that people will heal through that. Yeah. And, and the things we're going through. Um, and so anything you don't feel comfortable talking about, you don't have to talk about. You and know I'm an open book. Yeah, I know you are. I just, I just have to, you know, <laughs> you know, I just have to make sure I say that, especially on camera. Like, I don't ever want people to feel that pressure of like, okay, we're filming. I should probably not say it. Like, the camera is there, but it's not there. Yeah. Like, the good thing is I want this to actually be, actually be a moment of connection between me and you. And what comes out of it is post. It's, it's, it's an afterthought. It's the icing. So we can do this whole conversation. And if we want to just keep it to ourselves, I won't post it. Um, I've done that a good amount of times. But if we're like, no, this is fruitful. And I'm like, I want to share this. Then I'm going to ask you if you're comfortable with it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. okay. So good. how you been? What you been up to? Ciao. I literally feel like I'm not doing anything else besides trying to take care of my mind, body, and soul. And mm. because I'm trying, not trying, I'm doing a lot of internal work. I don't necessarily have much to say besides I'm doing well. Yeah. You know, like I don't have a new job. I haven't bought a new car. I don't have anything like necessarily physical, but mentally, yeah. I feel so good. I could already cry. Oh. Go Mary girl. <laughs> One thing about Mary girl, y'all thought I cried, girl. Mary cried, girl. She would let a tear out, girl. Make the floor wet, girl. Slipping, girl. Okay. No, like, no, I love it. I love it. Cause this, this I've is... been good. I finally have gotten to a point where I haven't drank in four months. I, Pause. congrats. 
Thank you. Yeah. Congrats, babe. Thank you. I'm so happy for you. Yeah, thank you so much. It has been... Tell them why that is a big deal. Um, I have been trying to quit drinking for... It feels like a long time. I've been in therapy for almost a year. I started mm. therapy last October. And the moment I started therapy, my drinking was... a topic of conversation, a very, very big topic mm. of conversation. I was a bartender. My whole life was super social. I was titled as like the fun girl, the one that you always wanted to invite to events. And the next morning I would wake up not remembering what I did, not remembering who I met, not remembering how I behaved. And mm. every single time I saw videos or heard stories, it wasn't the Mary that I'm presenting to you now. And although drunk Mary is still me, mm. there's so many versions of me. I wasn't happy with the behavior that I was portraying being under the substance. Not only that, like I come from a family of alcoholism. So me not being able to stop isn't something that I just woke up with. Mm. Like I, this is stuff that just like is passed along to me. Not to mention that I've come from a very traumatic childhood. So it's just like all of a sudden I was like in my 20s, yeah. got into this job had this lifestyle and I hated all of it. I hated all of it. And then the moment I like started going to therapy, I woke up that I was consciously recreating the trauma that I was born into. And I was like, I don't like that. Mm. And so what was the biggest thing? There's so much that I want to clean up. Right. But the biggest thing that couldn't, like I couldn't even begin to clean up if I didn't address that was the drinking. Yeah. And God, it was so enabled in my freaking personality trait. Like I had to, I had to do some deep cleaning. I stopped bartending. I literally ended all of my friendships. When you say it was so deep into your personality trait, I want you to elaborate on that. What do you mean by that? What was in the your moment I turned 21? I never drank before I turned 21. Really? I assumed, nope, never. I was never the Why peer pressure that? kind you of girl. You weren't allowed or you didn't choose? I didn't, or? I didn't, I actually liked that I was a girl that never got peer pressured. I loved that. And I turned 21 and Alcohol was the first thing in my life that made me feel like I belonged. Before 21, did you want to drink? Maybe no. if even, like, because I know you said peer pressure, withholding, like, and, and not doing it when people were there. How about when you were alone? Did you ever want to drink? No. Like, oh, okay. Like, drinking alone is actually, like, that wasn't something that I started to do until, like, I started to become worried about my drinking problem. It's always been a super, super social thing for me. And mm. then it got to the point where I was doing it every day. And so then when it got to a day where I wasn't social, that's when I was like, oh, I want to drink. But when I started doing that and I was like, oh, this is kind of like not social anymore. Um, when was your first drink? I mean, you don't need to know the exact day. Like, but what, what was it that made you drink your first time? Do you Being 21. So you turned 21 and you, you drank yeah. on your birthday? Yeah. Like, okay. I know like the year of 20, like I was in college, I maybe like partied like two times, mm. hated the way I felt because I was so hungover. Mm. But then like I turned 21 and everyone around me was, not everyone around me, yeah, everyone yeah. period yeah. does the same celebratory thing when you reach it's, it in yeah. a milestone. And it's a cultural thing. It's a cultural it, it, thing. It, it, it definitely society, especially America, like 21, they make it such a like, don't drink before here. And then when you do get to 21, like go all out. Yeah. And I don't know yeah. if anyone knows, I don't know what you know about Boston, but Boston mm -hmm. is a very, very big drinking city. Like the state of Massachusetts. So, remember you talking to people that don't know you. Yeah. So okay. So this, I'm from Boston. Um, <laughs> the state of Massachusetts, literally it's illegal to have happy hour because when it was legal, so many people got arrested for DUIs. Like oh, wow. it's crazy. 
people go out after work and there's a huge happy hour crowd still mm-hmm. even without the pricing. Mm-hmm. So in the city that I was in, Boston is also the largest college town in America. Mm-hmm. So I was just in a recipe for having fun and some cocktails, Yeah, you know? And yeah. I graduated college, moved to LA, but just because I changed my surroundings doesn't mean I changed my behavior. Mm-hmm. So just because I was in a new city didn't mean I was picking up new habits, you know? Yeah. I was still just the party girl. And then COVID happened and everyone was drinking during COVID. Like, what else were you doing? And then I got into a toxic relationship with my ex who was an alcoholic. Like, it just... Yeah. Your energy goes where you pour. Yeah. And I just kept pouring into this substance. And it got so bad to the point where I was like, I can't do anything. I am controlled by this substance. It is no longer fun for me. I can't stand who I've become. And there's an image of myself in my head. I have the, I'm a seer. I have the gift of foresight. Mm -hmm. I can sit here and tell you what my future looks like bright as day. Like, and Mm -hmm. I know it. And so seeing that and being present here, what is the thing that's not helping me get there? What's Mm -hmm. preventing me from walking to my vision? Mm. It was alcohol. It Mm. was alcohol. And so after so many relapses, so many like, can I do it? Can I not? Can I find a good balance? Can I decide who I want to do it with? I finally just decided, just stop. I got a DUI. I don't know if I ever told you that. I want to slow us down. Okay. Because. (laughs) So much. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to slow us down only because one, I know you. So I know that this is that this is a big deal for you. Yes. Like, this is a really big deal. It, like, that's what, congratulations. I'm really proud of you. But you're, I also know, if I didn't know you, how much you're expressing yourself in this moment, like how much you have to say. You could talk about it all day. I literally Which could. lets me know that it's a very big thing in your heart. So I want to also slow us down and I want to get to know you in that realm. So also for the people that don't know you. Yeah. So I want to know when you did start, like when you did get that first drink at 21, right? What was your drinking culture or habit after? After that, like, did you start drinking every time you started going out or did you start drinking alone? Did you only drink once a year? Like, what was drinking like after your first drink those first couple of years? During that point in time of my life, I was like a social butterfly. I had a ton of friends. Hmm. I didn't have like my life. I didn't want to be by myself at that point in time. I didn't even realize like alone time solitude was something that I feared. Why is that? I grew up alone. I was an only child. I always mm. like was by myself. Mm. And so for the first time around my 20s, I felt like I had a good group of friends. I felt safe. I felt seen. Loved. And I felt loved. Mm. And alcohol was like the commonality between all of us. So mm. Mm. after like the first time, it was just continuous. Like yeah. we're all going to get together at so-and-so's house or we're going to meet at this bar. And it's not a matter of if we're going to get a drink. It's going to be a matter of how much are we going to drink? Not only were my friends <sighs> my whole life, but they also worked in the service industry. And in mm. the service industry, like people in that work environment tend to drink more because mm. it's nothing like working six to eight hours, getting everybody else nice and buzzed, yeah. then getting off, wanting to do like the same thing. So mm. I felt like I was like in a double nanny. I was in my people pleasing phase. I didn't want to know myself because for the first time I felt seen w- through the connection of substance. And I was at a very fast paced job mm. and alcohol helped relieve the stress or I was convincing myself. Yeah. And so- I want to provide another side to that because 
it's all perspective, right? And I think the critical side is like, I was a people pleaser. I was trying to please other people. I think the graceful side of that is also you were still in survival mode. Oh my God, you was went, I ever. You went through a lot of trauma as a child and you just said you didn't have all of these things that you were getting at the time. Love, security, you felt safe. You didn't feel that when you were younger and you got to this point and the bridge between not having it and having it was alcohol. Yeah. So yeah, it's easy to point at the thing of a bottle and say, Hey, you're doing, you know, you're going after the alcohol when really it's, it's the need for that love and safety and oh community. My, yeah. So it's, it, the critical side is like, yeah, you were people pleasing. Yeah. You could look at it like that. You was trying to please the people. They wanted you to drink. So you drank, yeah. but also you were also going to fulfill your needs. I thought I was pleasing myself. Yeah. I thought alcohol was pleasing to myself. Like I thought, I mean, alcohol introduced me to a world that I never yeah. had ever seen before. Alcohol, also in, in your story, alcohol introduced you to safety. Alcohol introduced you to friends. Yeah. Alcohol introduced you to a good time, love. Like all of these things that came rushing in, it may not have been the alcohol directly, but that's association that your mind made. Yep. And it's like, if you did stop doing alcohol, you the fear would be like this connection will either lessen. Maybe yep. they wouldn't leave you. You knew they wouldn't stop being your friend. But it wouldn't be the it same be, value. Exactly. We wouldn't be hanging out all the time. Like, exactly. Eventually it would lead to us not really having a friendship because... The commonality was always like alcohol. Yeah. It just was always alcohol. And I would be told about how I would always talk about my trauma, mm. but I wouldn't really able to be able to talk about it. Mm. Cause when you're under the influence, it, yeah, your motor skills are done yeah. for. So I'm sitting here just screaming at everyone around me like, you don't know what I've been through. I promise you don't know what I've been through. And the next day everyone's like, well, what did you go through? But now I'm back to my rightful mind and my rightful mind, my sober body has a very blocked throat chakra. So like my sober body doesn't even know how to begin to speak my truth, to figure out what does life look like no longer in survival mode. No. And so when you think of yourself during that time, what do you think about that, Mary? Hey, it's me again. I know you're enjoying the show, but I want to keep it ad-free the way it's been. That's the way it should be. And when you subscribe to this show, you're not only supporting your own healing journey, but you're helping us produce this show so that we can continue healing millions. Check out the description so you can find out how you can leap into healing and subscribe to the show today. I wanted to be seen so badly. I wanted to be heard so badly. I wanted to be popular. I wanted to be recognized. I wanted to be told I was pretty. I wanted to make other people feel good. I just wanted to be the cool kid. Hmm. I wanted to be that kid that had the perfect parents and they got the cool Jordans and, you know, just had all the attention during like the first day of school, Yeah. during grade school. I wanted all that. And alcohol convinced me that it was giving me all that. And now that I see it wasn't, I want to tell that Mary, like you're, you've always been and you always will be that girl. Mm. Alcohol didn't bring that attention. You know, if anything, alcohol made you feel like you were safe so that you could receive love. Mm. Like there was a point in time in my life where I was so 
guarded, that love looked like trauma to me. And I didn't know how to receive that, you know? What's making you cry? How much I didn't love myself. Mm. That is so painful. To achieve anything in this world, you need to start within. That level of knowing yourself, loving yourself is the key to everything else in life. Like it controls your destiny. And can I try something? Yeah. <laughs> Why are you laughing? I'm sorry. I I laugh when I'm uncomfortable. You're uncomfortable? Yeah, I'm shaking. I have goosebumps. Mm-hmm. It's so powerful when you're in your truth. Yeah. I want to try something. When you're speaking, you are I asked you about that Mary, right? Because yeah. you when you talk about her, your head goes everywhere, your emotions everywhere. You're crying. And what happens is those emotions, you are crying right now, the Mary today, but a lot of, I feel her. I feel her. And, and that cry may be a gap or a disconnect between you today and her. And so I want right now, uncross your legs, babe. Uncross your legs and put your, yep. I want you to put, when you put your hands on your legs like this, you ground yourself. Okay. And, and feel the chair. Breathe in through your nose and out through your mouth. You're safe, babe. Okay? I want you to keep your eyes closed. And I want I want her, something you said is she wanted to be loved. She wanted to be seen. She wanted to be heard. And I want us to do that for her now. I want her to speak to you. I want her to speak to me. I want her to just speak. And I want you to keep your eyes closed. And I want you to just... Say whatever she's feeling. And you can take as long as you need to connect with her so that you, she's speaking. Like, put yourself in that time. Maybe think of a time when you were that Mary. Um, and what is she feeling? Why is she hurting? What are those tears? She's so angry. She's so angry. Hmm. Why is she angry? Because I've had a million different parents. I've went to so many different schools. I've never done more than two years at any school I've ever went to, including college. I have been in the foster care system. I went through four different foster homes. I lived in Brazil with my mother's side of the family. Stay with her. Stay with her. Uh, I don't like to think about her. Stay with her. And, 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 And keep your eyes closed. I know you don't like to think about her. And that's why she cries when you talk about her. Because she feels... She was raped every night. Oh, babe. Oh, babe. Hug (laughs) hug her. Hug yourself. Hug her. The more you feel those feelings and and you run away from them, she's alone still. She wants you, Mary. She needs you. She needs you. Give her some space. Let her talk. There was no one to tell. Couldn't call mom. I didn't even know that there was something happening that I needed to tell someone. Hmm. I was with my favorite male cousin. I mean, this is the man who taught me how to ride a bike, had me play with his dick every single night. Hmm. And like the first introduction of love comes from that man. So now little me is convinced that to please a man, it needs to be sexual. I have to be over-sexualized. I have to dress a certain way. Mm. I feel like I couldn't speak because 
I don't even know if I knew how to talk when he was doing that to me. Mm. I didn't even know if I had the words to be able to tell someone <laughs> what was happening. Keep your eyes closed. Reach your hand out. I want to I wanna touch you. I want to touch you. I want to touch you. Let her let it out. <laughs> this is her space. Give her space. She needs it. Now I want you to let her stay in your body. Let her be present. Let her get bigger. Let her grow. And I want you to just start with I feel and just say how she feels. I feel blah, blah, blah. I feel. Remember to breathe. I feel like I'm just not. I'm not happy. I'm not happy. I'm not happy because I feel robbed. I feel robbed of life. I feel robbed of not having a mother, not having a father. I feel robbed for not having anything. Mm. I feel robbed of a mother's tender care and loving. Like, how could you take me out of the country without my father's permission? Stay in the feeling, babe. Then leave me in a third world country. Hmm. How do you feel? What are those feelings? I don't feel safe. I don't feel seen. I don't feel loved. Hmm. Now ask her what she needs in that moment with those feelings. What does she need? She needs parents. And I have to be her parent. What else does she need? I need to be confident. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Ask her what she needs from from another person or, or, or force. Not what she needs to do, but what does she need to receive? I just, what I want to receive, I just want to be loved. Mm. I want my feelings to matter to somebody. I want to matter to somebody. Now, I want you to tell her that you're going to give her those things. All of the things you said you need, Mary today, I want you to envision her face, that Mary at that time, that Mary when she was hurt. Think of her crying in her room. And I want you to tell her, look at her in her eyes and tell her that you are going to give her those things. I will be the person that gives myself all of the things. No, talk to her like a real person. I don't, that's so difficult. Try it, baby. Try it, baby. It's not going to be easy. This ain't easy. She needs you. I will give you all of the things that you need. Be specific. What does she tell you she needed? I will give you love. I will make you see, be seen. I will make sure you feel seen. I hear you. I value you. And you are the most important thing in my life. What's, what's her reaction? What's on her face? What's her body looking like? Oh. Honestly, it's, it's kind of just like someone that's just waiting to receive. Yeah. It's going to take some time for her to open up to you. It's going to take her some time to believe you. She's heard that before. She's been alone for a long time. And... The more you show up and like you just did today, 
the more she'll open up and actually believe you and stop worrying. She'll stop having the fear of not being loved and not being protected because, oh, well, Mary's been doing that for the past year. Right. She won't cry when you bring her up because she feels all the love from the Mary today. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. I'm proud of you. It's like, how many times do I need to have a moment like this? You know, how many times do I need? Not I need, but like, I feel like I'm always crying. As many times as you need, babe. (laughs) There's no limit and there's no rush. Every time you get closer. Yeah. Don't be so hard on yourself. Thank you. You're doing the work. It's not work in vain. Every time you do it, you get closer. And you have to do it less and less and less. Yeah. You're getting there. But it is a constant work. At some point, it'll be enjoyable to do this. It hurts right now because, like I said, she's been alone for a long time. Long time. A long time. And I didn't. I didn't realize. I want you to drink a lot of water because whenever you do go that deep and um, into yourself and emotions, it's important to hydrate. Now, I'm going to be right back. It's cold. I'm going to turn the AC off because I see goosebumps on your arms. And I'm going to turn the AC off and I'll be right back. (laughs) So take this time to like take deep breaths. (laughs) Oh, man. But yes, how did you feel about that? How did it feel to do that? Um, that little, I was definitely nervous. Like there was, the inner me was scared as hell sitting down. I was trembling and my teeth were chattering. I feel calm. Hmm. I don't feel like, like how you said you had like a pit of fear. Yeah. Um, I feel like I had a pit of every emotion possible. And you want to know why? Like, I love you dearly because- hmm. You are in my community. Like, you are one of the first people that God brought to me to introduce me to my tribe. Um, I am also a healer and a speaker. And you've told me this several times. Like, you don't know who you are yet. You're growing. You're blooming. You're blossoming. And... You don't know your power. I don't know my power yet. And what you do is what I aspire to do. Like, I went to school for journalism. I myself enjoy writing. I want to podcast. I want to do all it is that you do, but not with you, with myself, right? Like, I also believe I got introduced to you because before I was so wounded me, wanted community so bad that I would convince myself that my power isn't strong enough to do it by myself, that I would need to do these things with other people. Mm. And I've been in a season of isolation to understand the reality of my power and to be able to walk in that. Mm. So when I sat down, I had a fear of like myself Mm. looking at you. I see a version of myself, you Mm. know, there's a version of myself that is quite literally doing like the same projects that you do, right? Mm. I'm just like not in that space yet. Like I'm still healing. I'm still whatever in the process. And when I sat down, I kind of felt little. I felt unheard. I I, I felt mm. like all of those emotions that I just like literally mm. tapped into. So it's no wonder why you seen that immediately. The average person wouldn't be able to tell something <laughs> like that. But, you know, Tariq over here for sure seen it. And... I'm glad that you helped me through that because now I'm able, 
Not that anything that I said before wasn't powerful, but I feel like I'm an equal now. And that's what's difficult or not difficult. Yes, it was part of my healing journey is I always have to go find little one to tell her like you are equal. This is an equal space. Like you can be here. And it was something that you recently just posted that I was in awe of and it really did something for me. You posted you doing yoga so freely on the Mm. beach. And you said when you started your healing journey three years ago and look where you are now. And when I seen three years ago, I was like, what the fuck? (laughs) Three years? Like, (laughs) I'm not even a year in this. I have so much more time. I have a lifetime to go with this, right? But at first, little me saw it. Little me was angry, like, what do you mean three years? I want it now. Like, I yeah. don't I don't want to be serving tables in three years. I want to be in my prophecy now. Yeah. Um, but the truth is, like, I'm here now for a reason. Yeah. And I'm not three years in, you know. I'm just not even a year in. Yeah. Who's to say where I would be? And so seeing that was just so promising Aww. for me because it's it's a receipt of what the work will get you. Yeah. Well, thank you, babe. Yeah. So as a healer, I had to heal. I had to heal, and I'm still healing. You see how I sat down and I'm like, oh, there's some anxiety there. And I'm like, I mean, the way you poise yourself, the moments you take to just catch yourself and breathe. um, Yeah. That is a part of the healing. It's, I had to experience so many emotions. Um, I've been through so much trauma, as you know. I have a childhood, and 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 I had to go through so many emotions, and you know, similar things, you know, like sexual assault, just a, a lot of different things, and feeling all of those emotions, connecting with those inner children, and through that process. Those hard moments you had, I've had, you know, but it's through every single time. And it's like, how many times I'm going to have to do this? Like, how long is this going to last? But it was during those times that I was being trained on how to be a healer Mm -hmm. because I experienced healing. Yeah, It's very hard to do this work and not identify with what you're seeing. I went through so much trauma and came out on top and went through these emotions. So when I see those emotions in other people, when I see that anxiety or I see an overcompensation or whatever, I'm like, I've seen that before because I used to, oh, I do that or I still do that because I'm human. Right. Like even things that I have like gotten good at, we're human and it'll come up again. Right. And I'm like, oh, I'm doing that thing. Stop overcompensating, Tariq. You know, like, um, and, and the little me was like, okay, because he trusts me. Yeah. He trusts me. And he knows if I tell him it's okay, he believes me. But when I first told him that, he didn't believe me. Yeah. Because it's crazy, like the disconnect. Yeah, that's what I'm, I was like, there's a disconnect between you and her. And I could tell because of the way you spoke about her. And it wasn't like she was a bad person, but you were othering yourself. I other myself all the time. You were I speak othering in third yourself. Person. You were making space in between you and her. And I started to see her get very uncomfortable. Because I'm already feeling small and you're pushing me away. And all she wants to do is be seen. Mm -mm. Mm. She wants to be with you. Mm. She's all you got. Yeah. She's all she, you're all you got. 
Like when she was alone, you were all you had. And like even now, she don't got herself. Yeah. So she feels worse. Because even in this moment, I'm coming up and she's pushing me away. And so it's going to take time for her to trust you again. And so when you, when it, when you do that, it, it, it is a whole bunch. Of, think of it like a, a deadbeat dad that try to come back and be your daddy. And it's going to take some time. I'm yeah. not just going to trust that we go into the baseball game because you said we're going. Right. It's going to take you taking, saying you're going to come and being consistent with it for like a year probably. It's going to take some time. Yes. And once they get to that place where like, I'm going to come on Monday, you're going to actually, oh, he's going to get me on Monday. Yeah. So she knows if you say, it's okay, I got this, she'll calm down. She'll calm down because she trusts you. Yeah. And so I wanted, I saw that disconnect and I wanted to use this moment as an opportunity for you to connect with her, to see and feel how uncomfortable it will be. Think of that dad, how uncomfortable and shame, all the shame he has to go through. Like he was a Debbie dad and now he's in a different place. Maybe like he's ashamed. We forget about all that, right? Like he's afraid. He's like, uh, you want ice cream? You want? He don't know but what he's to do. Still trying to yeah. come around, and he, I literally have that relationship with my father. Like, I'll never forget when I moved in with him mm-hmm. at sixteen. Like, mm-hmm. my father's been in and out of my life, but moving in with him at sixteen was the first time in my life where I actually lived with him. Like, he had full custody of me, and my dad, when I was younger, would do this thing where he would take all of the money that was present in the house, and he would just disappear. And I wouldn't hear for him until the next time he was good and ready to come back into our lives. So when I moved back him at 16, there was a similar episode. Um, I had gotten home from school and dad was like nowhere to be found. And I had just started working a job and I think I maybe had like $200, $300 put away in the dresser. I try to go look for the money. The money's not there. So I was like, okay, I haven't ever live with my dad, the version of my dad that I do know always was in and out of the picture and he abandoned us. Mm. My dad abandoned me at court when I was supposed to move in with him because he was in a custody battle. I was in foster care and he was fighting mm-hmm. for custody. He didn't show up for court. So now I'm here trying to yeah. <laughs> accept my new dad, except yeah. that he came as his old self again. I had to sit there and watch him work through that and watch him like be so nervous and embarrassed and come home that night and be like, I know I shouldn't have left. I know I should have answered the phone. I know I shouldn't have taken your money. I'll pay you back. But it's because he didn't trust himself and he abandoned himself. I'm glad that he came back and like he didn't write the same old story. But it's like so difficult for me to come and like catch myself because of like the example. That yeah. was like set for me. Yeah. And like, it's not just from him. It's every single person. Yeah. And so like now in my adulthood, I am coming to terms with the fact that I don't have a family. Right. But I get to choose who was who my family is now. I get mm-hmm. to choose wisely who I get to create life with, who my mate is going to be, who I develop close friendships with, because I have to be so conscious of that now to make sure I heal little me. Um, Because little me wants to find that little dad who doesn't know any better, you know, to find the person who wants to run away from themselves instead of doing what is right. Yeah. So in my season of doing what is right for me, 
I have to create like everything new again, everything new again. And that shit is hard. As hell. As hell. Like everything has to go. Yeah. Everything has to go. Yeah. And it sucks because I already had to go through so much change in my life. But I'd rather like change again and do it this time consciously to set up the rest of my life for the way I envision it, for the way I want it, for the way I dream, instead of allowing my traumas to be in the front seat. Yeah. And just continuously creating the same old patterns. Yeah. I don't want that. Yeah. Like, I'm so connected to my ancestors, it doesn't even feel like I can do that. Yeah. Like, every single time I try to go for something familiar, I get knocked on my ass. Like, uh uh-uh, you're not supposed to be doing this. We're supposed to be... In your healing journey. Yeah. And even though it's the hardest thing I've ever done in my life, it is the most promising yeah. thing I've done in my life. I love it. We're kind of like going through your life, but like in the lens of alcohol, only yeah. because that was something you brought up. That really is my important. biggest. Yeah. That was my biggest hurdle mm-hmm. in and, my healing journey. And so during those years where you turned 21, You started drinking and you were doing it in these years to connect with your friends. And that's how we got to connecting with Mary at that time. Right. And even as we just heard from that Mary and hearing all of the things she didn't have and all of the things she needed, like literally when I asked her for the things she needed, you realize that alcohol was the key to all of those things that she needed. But the thing is, like alcohol dies off. Oh, of course. Yeah. Oh, 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 oh. I'm just, I'm yeah. just showing, I'm making space for her. Yeah. You have to have radical grace. Radical grace. Are you telling grace. me that? told me this one. Last time we hung out, we had dinner. <laughs> and ever since he told me that, that's honestly what helped me. Yeah. Stop drinking. Oh, babe. I promise Oh, don't you. do that. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> because you, we had a really, really great heart to heart, as we always do. And he told me like, if you drink again. And you just might, because you were bringing to my awareness like how difficult it is to quit yeah. alcoholism. Like yeah. one in 10 people actually quit. Relapsing is a part of recovery. It's just all of these things. It's we're not going to go it. into like the science of alcoholism, yeah. but how it affected me because I'm not good at giving, I am getting better at mm. giving myself grace. When he told me that it was like a fond language. I didn't know what the hell that meant. Yeah. Um, but I did go out and drink again. But after I did that, that next time was the first time I, I started practicing grace. And what did that look like? What did you do? What did when you I yourself? found the itch or when I, I caught myself wanting to be like other people or wanting to be social, it was vital for me to talk to myself. The amount of self-dialogue that I have had mm. through my sobriety is like insane. It's necessary. It's it's insane. Like the first time I went out with my girl, um, it's her birthday weekend and mm-hmm. she's she's a she works at Soho, um, mm-hmm. where I used to bartend. So obviously she's very aware of like mm-hmm. turn up Mary and I had to introduce myself as who I am. Mm-hmm. And throughout that whole night, you know, at the house, there are pregame and taking shots. We're out at the club. Everybody's drinking, taking shots. The music's loud. Da-da-da-da. I'm sitting here talking to myself like, okay, I know you're uncomfortable because eyes are looking at you, but it's okay. You're pretty. You're yeah. allowed to be seen. Like actually like bask in this, right? Because if one day you want to sit here and podcast, you're going to have to get used to eyes. Like, so that mm-hmm. narrative is going on in my head, telling myself that you really don't like alcohol. You're not going to be happy with yourself tomorrow. So why are you going to please 
this your company. Yeah. Because what? You think you need to? Like, no, pleasing your company is what you convince yourself to make yourself happy. That's not real. You got to please yourself. Pleasing yourself is that little girl screaming at you every fucking day to not drink, right? So like I'm witnessing the dialogue that's always yelling at me. And I started talking back with kindness. Hmm. It's like, you're not going to call yourself dumb because you you failed, you know, you, it's just none of that. We're not yeah. going to feed any of the negativity. We're going to figure out how to make it through this night with peace yeah, and being sober. And that's just what I do every time now. So to the point now where it's like easy, like I'm four months in, I can go out. I'm confident with yeah. who I am. And I'm just so excited for this yeah. sobriety journey because yeah. it's been so great to me thus far. But in the beginning, talking to myself, acknowledging myself was what helped me. Yeah. And the radical grace part of, like I said, the alcohol is what gave her the Mary at that time when you started drinking. The alcohol is what gave her access to all of those things. Now, it wasn't authentic validation. We can go to a lot of things for validation, like Coco Chanel bags. We can buy a car. And you are validated in a moment, right? But it sizzles out. Mm-hmm. Um, and so in that moment, though, it's like a drug. It literally is. It's like you get your high and then you come back down and you're sober and you have that same feeling of, I need this, I need this. It's a, it's a pattern. And so, but the thing is, the grace is understanding that she was not getting those things from anywhere in her life. And the only thing she knew at the time was alcohol that was going to bring it. And so the grace part is saying to her, like taking the shame out of it. She, Sometimes we shame ourselves in a way of like, you should have known better. Like you were people pleasing. You were trying to make these people happy. The truth is alcoholism is a disease. Like if I got diagnosed with cancer, I wouldn't be sitting here with the same. I wouldn't have responded the way I was responding when I found out that I had alcohol, like I suffer from alcoholism. Mm -hmm. You know, that in itself was something for me to sit with. Yeah. Because when you put it like that, like, why the hell am I not freaking out and trying to do everything within my power to make myself better? Like, I just got diagnosed with cancer. Yeah. But people don't talk about alcoholism for what the truth of it is. Yeah. But- and and that's just the grace. I just want to stay there, the grace. You, yeah. you, you, you get, you be, <laughs> I'm trying to stay in the grace because we already experience so much judgment and criticism and how to be better and how to improve. We do that so much in the world. Yeah. When it comes to this healing journey, the only thing, like grace and the things that feel good, the things that like, it's understanding, it's compassion. It's when you do something really dumb and your friend is like, it's okay, I've done that. And you're like, oh shit, damn, I don't feel so dumb anymore. That is what the radical grace is important for because like, Yes, I just want to make sure that she feels understood and she feels loved and 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 it's letting her know because I'm sure she has shame on herself. And yes. and and you have to teach her now. And this is parenting. I'm saying teach, but it's parenting because it's like when a kid comes home and say, "Well, they said my hair was nappy." And it's like, "Baby, your hair is beautiful." Right. Your hair is beautiful. Is it? It's beautiful. Yeah. yeah. So she already has all that shame and it stays there. And and so we have to reparent her and teach her that, babe, you were doing what you thought you needed to do to be loved. Yeah. You were doing what you thought you needed to do to have people to be your friends and to feel this connection. When you keep it at 
you were just getting drunk and you were just running to the bottle and you were trying to people please, that's a perspective. Yeah. That is a perspective. But from a healing perspective, she needs to feel seen and loved. Yeah. And so she needs to hear that someone understands I wasn't just like I I didn't just wake up and want to go and be, you know, and do this. This isn't no. something I wanted. No. She I had to understand that. Yeah. I had to understand that my brain was thinking that I was getting all that was missed from this substance. But what's crazy is what what makes you become addicted is the moment it's gone. You're like, "Oh my god, that felt so good. Like I was finally seen. I finally felt." Yeah. I finally felt all the emotions that I wanted to feel when I was younger. So let me figure out how I can like go out and get faded again, you know? Yeah. And that was what was addicting. I yeah. was addicting to the, the false emotions, the false shot of dopamine that alcohol gives you that it was giving me. And it, it just is not worth it. Yeah. It's not worth it. Yeah. Um, You know, it was fun at first and then it got to the point where it started becoming like really harmful. Yeah. It was really harmful. I it, like when I was doing it, like towards the end before I quit, like I didn't even feel good. Like yeah. I wasn't even receiving that like dose of happiness little me would get when I first started drinking. Alcohol started to feel like the rest of my abusers. Mm. <laughs> and I was like, what? Mm. Like, I don't need another abuser. But the thing was, like, I was doing it to myself. I was doing it to myself. I became my own abuser. But how would I have known any better? How would I have known to treat myself any better? I didn't. I quite literally didn't. That's why all of us fall for this substance. Some of us don't know how to stop because who, how would we have known better? If I didn't go out seeking help, if I didn't choose to be such an open book and like talking about where I am, would I, would I even be where I am today? You know, like, I'm so glad that I got to wake up and it's so important for me to continue to have these moments of rediscovering this little girl that is always going to be a part of me. And I don't want to suffer anymore. I don't want her to suffer anymore because the more she suffers, the longer she suffers, she's in full control of my life in a sense, you know? As long as I allow her to enable me from the trauma that we went through, how am I ever really going to be able to attain the foresight that I see in my head? Okay, this this is this may be off topic. Yeah. No, it's not off topic. I'm seeing this and hearing this, but also I'm hearing it spiritually. Yeah. So it's something you need to hear. Yeah. You have to forgive yourself. And yeah, and don't do. receive. Uh, just receive right now. Now look, I know you have rage and anger with yourself for being an addict. I'm so upset. Ba- receive. Receive. I want you to receive. Okay? I know you're mad. And I know you're mad that you're in this position. I know you are. And so I want to, I don't, I want to speak. Okay. 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 I got to I've never done this on camera, so I'm, I'm kind of a little afraid to do it, but you know, I do reading sometimes, <laughs> but like, it's like a natural thing. I don't sit down with cards, but they're speaking. Um, and so, okay. I'm just, I'm just going to do it. Um, you're angry 
and allow yourself to be angry. That is a part of the process as well. Anger is there. Make space for it. Let it happen. But I want you to know after that anger, you, you have to forgive yourself. I know it's not fun. I know it's not what you wanted. I know you, you didn't expect yourself to be here at this, at this point in your life. I know you saw it in generations before you and you didn't want to go in that route and you thought that you would be better and you thought that you would be different and you thought that you were special and you thought that your life would look different, but it's okay. <laughs> it's okay that you're in this seat and let, they want to say, hmm. you want to know why it's okay? Because it's not too late for you to break the curse. And, I, and, 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 and the word that we give you about you being a healer, the, the understanding that we give you about these emotions, about these things, about alcoholism, the way that you are dealing with it is going to help so many people. You wanted to run away from it when really we needed you to be in it. Because through this process and through what you're going through, you're going to get so much provision, so much prophetic word, so much understanding. That life and that spirit and that love that you have is going to give you the opportunity to connect with people that have an experience like you. And you're going to be able to turn them around <laughs> in a way that they wouldn't have been able to do on their own. So what they're trying to tell you that you have to sit in this. You have to sit in this. And you, you got to stop running away from it. This is who you are. And it's beautiful. It's gorgeous. It's powerful. Don't let society tell you it's weak. It's, 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 don't let anybody, you, have to understand that that is a part of your power. Stop thinking of it as something holding you down. If anything, it's going to bring you higher it's going to bring you higher. The thing that you think is, is, is poison inside of you, baby, you can cough it up and it's going to be a, it's going to be a vaccine. It's going, to be, it's going to be an antidote. I'm telling you, this is it's this journey that's going to make the Mary the phoenix that she is to become. And so go through the anger right now. They know that you're angry. They're proud of you. I'm proud of you. Because like you said, it's been four months and you're on the journey. And I want you to know, I'm not speaking it into an existence or whatever, but if you do relapse, if it does happen, the phoenix doesn't go away. The greatness doesn't go away. If I do relapse, I've never went this long before. And that's how you look at it. Yeah. You give it power instead of weakness. And you're damn right. I'm angry as hell. I'm angry as hell because I worked so hard in my my youth to not be like what was presented to me. And then when I had a choice of like, when I had a break. <laughs> well, usually the things we run the fastest away from, we I run right to. to but... I became all of it. Mm -hmm. I dated the toxic guy. I was unfaithful. I became an addict. I created the whirlwind of what I was running away from. The crazy thing is you, you list those things as if they disqualify you when really they qualify you for what your anointing and purpose is in the world. Yeah. And like, I, I want you to receive that. Don't skip over that because those are the things that qualify you to be the healer you want to be, to have the voice you want to have is because you had those experience. And now this healing journey is is you getting over it? Is you changing your mind 
unlearning and learning new so that you can go back out into the world and help people going through similar things. That's what makes you qualified. Imagine if you didn't go through those things and you try to heal somebody that went, what do you know? Literally. So it qualified you. And what's going to qualify you even more is the work that you put into it today. That's why it's taking so long. Yeah. That's why the healing isn't two months. Would you want your doctor to go to med school for two months? <laughs> Would you want your dentist to go to dental school for two months? Would you want your lawyer to get their, their, their degree in two months? No. You want to be a healer? Heal. And take time to learn, yeah. to reflect. It's going to take time. Yeah. You're in training, baby. But no, I had to give you those words. And, and I do before, because we could talk all day. I want to make sure that we go through this because there's a lot of people that's going to, that's going to resonate. There are different people that are going to listen that are different parts of your life. Yeah. There's people that are that little girl. There Literally. are people that are at 21 and starting to drink because it's, it's people at different parts of your life. And so I want to get through it to who Mary is today and what you're still learning. So people know that even though the end goal does get better, there's still more work to do. Oh my That's gosh. the goal. So much. Because there's no like, oh, the ending, it gets perfect. No, it gets better. It gets better. And it continues to get better. It is better. Yeah. Four so, months in, you know what that looks like for me? Like... Peace and quiet. I have never known peace like I know it now. I love you, baby, but you're skipping it again. Let's go back. Okay. We're going to get there. Yes. So after those years of college, you moved to L.A., right? And then what was drinking like for you once you got to L.A.? Um, and how old were you? I moved to L.A. Uh, when I was 23. Okay. And you're how old now? I'm 28. Okay. And so that... That phase, how long of the years was this next era? Five. Five years. Okay. So 23 to yeah. 20. Oh, okay. So you feel like that was all one big block. Like you wouldn't separate that. I mean, I I would separate it for okay. sure. Okay. So how would you separate it? I would say it? 23 to 25, I had no desire to change my behavior if anything i wanted to like up the ante like let's keep the party going this was the first time in my life where i experienced fun and i also just moved in with my childhood best friend i've known her since i was 12 i moved across country i'm thinking that i'm just gonna move here party hard and somehow i'll get a million dollars like mm -hmm. that's what my brain was thinking and when did I ever really have time to stop and think about girl that ain't gonna work because every day was just something I would go to work I would party and repeat and then yeah. when I was in COVID I'm such a social butterfly during a time of not being social and it being like online and I'm like so not the online type it just pushed me into drinking more and I didn't know how I was gonna stop I was also bartending. Like, it was my source of money. I didn't know. I didn't know how I was going to get away from it. But after I turned 25, I started, like, living by myself. And that's when I got my dog. And that's when things really started to change. Um, I had a dog at home to be responsible for. So I couldn't just be gone 14 hours of the day, bar hopping, being at a friend's house, whatever the case was. I had to make sure I started, like, being home. But 
I guess that's when I started like drinking more by myself. Yeah. Um, so I would like get bottles of wine, drink the whole bottle by myself. But you know, I'm thinking it's wine. It can't be that bad because everybody drinks a bottle of wine to themselves, right? Yeah. Um, and so what did it do for you at that time? Like, what it was just something to do. It was I habitual. needed to escape. That was that was the intention. No, I didn't want to feel like I didn't drink to enjoy. I drank to black out. Blacking out oh, okay. was like the goal, and I blacked out so easily. Your hippocampus, when it feels like it's in danger, it actually shuts off your memory to make your other part of your body senses higher to protect yourself. I think my body always knew that it didn't like alcohol and I would always shut off my memory and I would always black out. And so I got very addicted to blacking out. Like it wasn't even just drinking. It wasn't like a certain thing, whatever I could put in my body to black out. I enjoyed that. And I would act as if like, oh, did I really black out? Like as if I didn't know what I was doing in the moment in time. But I for sure knew that taking five shots or 10 shots, I'm not going to be able to remember this. But I would be happy about that because for years I've been trying not to remember. I have such a vivid memory. It's It drives me insane. It drives mm-hmm. me freaking insane. It was the first thing. Just like you said, it was the first thing that introduced me to what I thought was love and attention. Yeah being seen well it was also the first thing that i experienced that was giving me an escape from myself or what i thought was an escape Mm. you know because Mm. the next day i wouldn't necessarily remember and in those Mm. moments of not being completely coherent i felt like it was an escape like i was on vacation because my reality the traumas that i was Mm. scaring my my head Mm. is war like legit fucking war i was so mentally i was so mentally ill i was so mentally ill that alcohol was my break and then i just started to realize like this is not good like you're not able to enjoy alcohol casually yeah your first wine you always want a second wine you always want another shot you always want another drink you if the the bottle is in front of you i'm gonna figure out a way to finish the bottle like Because I mean, at that point, your brain is conditioned alcohol to be a break for you from your life and trauma. Exactly. So even if it was one drink, your brain is like, but we want a break. And like, if your body needed that, if you needed that, your brain conditioned itself to know, oh, well, this is where we go to for a break. So even if you didn't want to, your body would just like. Yeah. Like there would literally be times where I would take sips or I would take a shot and I would be like, that was the most disgusting thing I have ever done. And be like, whatever, let's do it again. Like I need another one. So disconnected. Alcohol really like the more I intook, the more I disconnected. And I hated that. I wanted to be disconnected. Yeah. I wanted it. I wanted it so bad. Um, Yeah. And, and this is, this is why it's really one for the healing journey to understand why, so that you can have compassion and grace, but also like, so that you know, why am I going to this? So that you can find other bridges. Like, remember the 21-year-old, if that was the bridge to love and connection, all those things you needed, then it's like, okay, so what can I go to for those actual things? So like in that moment, it was like a break. It was a vacation. It was a break from everything you were going to, I mean, going through. And so it's like, now looking to other things for a break in that time like what else feels like a break what else can make me feel something close it won't be the same it won't feel the same it's not the same experience it doesn't give you like the same automatic 
dopamine. Exactly. Like you don't, it's not just like a shot of dopamine. Exactly. Um, it's, it comes much slower. I live just a slower life. Yeah. And I, so that, that's really why. Also, I'm just curious and just want to get to know you. More, I am. Um, the why. But during that I'm time. I'm finding myself. But we not we going there, baby. Okay. We we going there. We know. Okay. We know that this is the past. <laughs> you don't gotta keep reminding us. We know, babe. We know. I suffer from severe PTSD. Mm-hmm. Severe PTSD. I also didn't know that until I started therapy. So of course, like when I tell you there's like a literal war zone, like I'm remembering that little girl that was just like crying, like she's with me all the time. So it's not just like the sexual abuse, it's the amount of times my dad left, it's the amount of times my mom left, it's yeah. all the foster homes, it's all the friendships, it's all the times I got bullied and called out for being ugly, for not having pretty hair, for all of that. Like, yeah. <laughs> it bullies me. Um, But there's also like a healthy way for curing PTSD, right? Mm-hmm. Like the first step was becoming aware. How would I have known? Like when I took the test, when I first started seeing my therapist, she gave me a test of like, am I an alcoholic? My test scored like I wasn't in the, I don't know what people call today, like alcoholics, but I was in the zone of like, we're worried about you. Like you need to start paying attention to this. And then when I took that test, I was like, made me aware. I didn't know before because I was just running with the crowd. I was doing yeah. what everybody else is doing around yeah. me. So I, when I found that, I was like, dang, everyone around me is like possibly an alcoholic. That's crazy. Like, yeah. And so becoming mm. aware of myself. Yeah. I had to figure out what was going on in this brain of mine because I couldn't do it by myself. No matter how many times I tried, you know, maybe we'll just do a month of no drinking this time or maybe yeah. we'll just go two weeks or maybe just not tonight or none of it that I tried to do by myself didn't work. Yeah. And so we're now at, now we can go to Mary today. <laughs> Cause I know you was waiting girl. And I, I know it's also just you being proud of yourself and just being very happy at where you are now. It's crazy that I'm proud of myself and angry with myself at the same that's, time. That's, that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> yeah. It makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I do want to talk about, what the journey was like for you, you know, one, accepting it. And then also once you accepted it, like, okay, I am addicted. And like what that was like for you going into that new world and that new understanding and how you got from there to where you are today. Being addicted, like admitting I was an addict was the toughest of it all. Cause I didn't want to be my dad. Hmm. I didn't want to be my dad at all. How dare, how how could I have become the man that hurt me the most? How could I suffer from the same thing? But I think I had to understand why he wasn't able to be a present father yeah. through alcoholism. And so I battled, I compared me and my father in every way possible to show that I wasn't like him. Mm. And the more I fought against the fact that we weren't alike, more and more receipts came up to show how much we are yeah. Alike. And the moment I embraced the truth that this is my bloodline, this is my father. And unfortunately, I got a disease that I did not ask for. And I have to change now. And so becoming okay with the fact that I became exactly what I didn't want to become helped me get to the point of change because I didn't want, I don't want to be my dad. I don't want to be that man to my kids. I don't want to be that man now. I don't want to wait till it's too 
late to figure out how to become successful in a career. I don't want to settle in partnerships. I don't want to be my dad at all. I don't want to be connected to that life anymore. So I started listening. Mm -hmm. I started doing what he had to do. I had to go to AA. I had to Mm -hmm. go to therapy. I knew AA wasn't going to be like the Hail Mary of like helping me because when I was when I first moved in with my father at 16, I was actually going to AA meetings with him and I actually spoke at them. And it's funny that full circle, I started going to meetings. But when I started going to meetings, what it gave to me, not connecting my father to this, was community. Hmm. That little girl likes community. Feeling seen. She likes to be seen. She likes to feel like she's not a loner. So when I started seeing that, it's not just something my dad passed along to me. It's it's a thing, like a big thing. And it's okay. Like you can you can be better. You don't have to be a victim to this. So just going to a few meetings within the first month helped me stay grounded. Hmm. What else? helped me was being honest with myself about the friendships that were around me. Most of my friendships, the commonality was alcohol. Could I be myself? Could I be sober? Could I do other activities with these friends of mine if it doesn't involve the bar or a bottle? Mm. And when I started being honest with myself about that and honoring that version of myself, those friendships they disintegrated and I allowed them to. I prayed, I would sage, I did all of the things. I talked and talked and talked and always asked for people, places and things that no longer served me to be removed. And when it was removed, if it made me uncomfortable, I would just sit in the uncomfortableness before I would chase. I always chased because little me always had to chase. I was always had to go after something because no one ever cared enough to come after me. Mm. Um, But I learned in the strength of sitting still and choosing myself. And so if choosing myself looks like not going out and not drinking and those relationships go away, then that's just what it is. You know, I have to figure out, well, what do I like if drinking isn't it anymore? Because now I have a bunch of free time. So I love, I love to color, you know, I, Mm love to do yoga. I am a bookworm. I am a bookworm. I have read like about 14 books since the beginning of the year. Like that is not something that I've done in the past, but I didn't have the time or the brain freedom to be able to even discover that I liked books. You know, I love documentaries. I like to learn. I am a very like serious person. I love to laugh and stuff like that, but I like to do that in front of people. I like to make people feel good. But like when I'm by myself, I don't, care for comedies. That's not what I'm putting on. Did I know that about myself? No, because every single time I was watching television, I was watching it with a best friend or a friend or a partner. Like for the first time in my life, I have my own Netflix account before I just had whoever was over my house or logged on my TV. Like I'm watching whatever they liked. Like it's so deep. I didn't know myself. Mm. So I was like, okay, this doesn't work for me. So when I start finding out what does work for me, eventually like my tribe will come, like you have come. Yeah. Um, but I'm also okay with the fact that I'm a loner. 
I live a life of solitude. There is nothing that brings me more peace than doing things by myself. I love eating out by myself. I love going to the beach by myself. I love, oftentimes when I try to do things that I truly love by myself with other people, there's like some form of anxiety that comes up in me and I don't enjoy it as much because there's another energy present. Like, but would I have known that if I didn't take the time to sit still and learn myself? So I'm just really proud of myself today. I'm still learning who I am today. Yeah. Like that is a journey in itself because I'll come across behaviors or things that I used to like to do and I'm doing them now. And I'm always asking like, am I enjoying this? No. Or is, or is this just like comfortable? Like, is this me or was this taught to me? Yeah. Relearning myself, relearning my behaviors. And it's just, it's just daily. What's keeping you from drinking again? I am so gun ho on the vision of myself in my head. I'm so gun ho to the downloads that I receive from spirit. I'm so gun ho on what you just told me that mm. someone in this room came and told you that you had to tell me. I am so locked in with the unknown, with the unseen that I don't care. I don't care if I have to just stop that because I know what I see in my head will come to fruition in front of me. It's always been true for my whole life. I knew I would be with my dad again, but when I didn't know, you know, Mm -hmm. I knew I would live in Los Angeles when I didn't know, like I've always been really connected with the world of the unknown and the world of the unknown was screaming at me for such a long time to quit. When I started listening to that voice, to that spirit, Things become easier. Yeah. Is it hard not to drink? At times. I think the first year is the hardest because every experience is a new experience for me. I just went on vacation. I never not went on vacation before and not been able to enjoy a cocktail. Mm -hmm. I had to train my brain to show up and teach my brain what is vacation, Mm. what I want it to be like. So... When I was there and I was out to eat, like, of course, I wanted to order a margarita, but I chose peace. I chose to allow myself to feel my womb. I allowed me. I allowed me to be me. That's affirming. Is it fun? After the vacation, I came back home. I was on a high. Like, I I went to work. Everyone was like, you look so happy. I was so happy. I was so proud. Because once upon a time, I thought I was never going to be able to do that. Yeah. It felt so good to not be hungover. It felt so good to like, I love the outdoors. Like, I love water activities so much. Mm. I got to paddleboard. I got to parasail. I got to zip line. I got to just swim in the ocean. Like, I love swimming. I like, I didn't, I don't mind getting my hair wet. I got to do all of those things. But before alcohol and vacation, all you do is just get fucked up and you go to sleep and, and you think like you're getting away. Like, no, like, I actually got. So it's fun, like, experiencing all these things without liquor. Yes. Yeah. The funnest, the greatest, like, the the amount of natural dopamine that my body received just from literally picking up a stick and playing in the dirt, trying to kill time because I'm waiting for the ship to come. Like, how dope is that? Getting in touch with my little child is just so, it's so great. And I can't do that when I'm under the influence. Yeah. If I was under the influence, picking up a stick and playing in the dirt would have been the last thing on my mind. You know, yeah. I would have been like, well, what am I drinking next? Yeah. You know, um, I'm really happy for you. I, you. I just I don't know why I feel like are you making space for it 
to be unenjoyable as well? Oh my God. Yeah. Okay. My days are so boring. Like, okay. I, I, I just, I'm, I was only afraid if it's, all lilies and great and sobriety oh, is the best route ever. Oh my God. It's, so, it's, the, ugly, it's the ugliest thing. It's, <laughs> it's ugly. Like I'll have, like how I was just crying on this episode. Mm-hmm. Child, I call, I cried to, I mean, I called Tariq about almost two months ago and I had the craziest cry of my life. Like I scared this man. No, you did. Uh, I trust me. I cry probably every day, if not every day, every other day. Yeah. I have to look at my coworkers and tell them, no, every day I'm not going to go out with you guys. And they have fun. They go out to the bars. They're out at the pools. They do all of these things. And I'm like, been there, done that. I have to know, I have to learn from my experiences and know that I can't go out with you guys or I just don't want to. Like, I'm just in a hermit mode. I'm in isolation mode to the T. Like, you're the first friend I've hung out with this month. And, And so, and this is why I'm asking, because when we make space for the unenjoyable parts, I get to hear things like that. And that's not sustainable. So four months is great, but it's not sustainable to be alone all the time. And even though it's working right now, it's not sustainable. Always, no. And so that's why, like, I'm so happy about all the great things. I want to hear those things, too. But on that side of things, it's like making sure because that high, it's a high. Yeah. You're really proud of yourself. Like, oh, I just did that. I want a vacation. I ain't drink. It's a high. But once that comes down... And then you go into the other side of, I haven't seen any friends in two months. I spend all this time alone. All of those things that we don't really make a lot of space for, those are usually the things that when we sit in it, usually bring us back. Yeah. So I want to make sure that we're making space for it when we are happy. Yeah. And when we are good. Yeah. And when we are in a high so that we can look at it objectively instead of when we get in that position and the emotion takes over. I can tell when i'm going to get hit by a depression wave Mm. i'm honestly getting hit by a depression wave right now i can tell because my yearning for marijuana grows Mm. yeah oh that is so self-aware yeah that's amazing like when i'm really good like actually like very freaking happy i don't even really want to smoke um i want to go to sleep aware so i can like remember my dreams um but I suffer from depression. So my depression goes in waves too. Yeah. And now I want to smoke all the time. Like I'm itching Same. after this interview to go to the dispensary so I can get a blunt. Same. But going back to the grace thing, you be in my head. I'm trying. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling myself now like, hey, okay, the pattern's coming back. Let's put a cap on when we're going to like take a break from marijuana. Mm. So right now, lately, I've been trying to decide when I'm going to take that break because I know that marijuana helps me stay in my depression. Mm. The only thing that helps me get through my depression is complete sobriety. I'm not gonna, I'm not sitting here saying that I want to quit marijuana too. Yeah. That's my baby. But I have to also, like, my new thing is learning a healthy relationship with weed. Yeah. Lord knows, like, what that'll look like how long it'll take for me to discover, but I am becoming aware and I'm knowing that, Ooh, you might be getting a little sad now again, girl. So now it's time to discover, like, how can I get myself out of this? I was doing tennis for a little bit. I stopped. Maybe I should pick up tennis again. Right. Because when I was in tennis, I wasn't as depressed. It's just a process. Yeah. And, and something I'm, I'm going to offer before we close. Yeah. Is, 
You know, a lot of people, I think, look at it like something that was really important that you said is my relationship with it. And it's not just about, oh, I'm using, oh, let me go on a break. You go on a break, you come back. Nothing really changes from no. a break and coming back and no. a break and coming back. You're just doing a break and coming back. You go on a break and coming back. Think of it like a person and a, per- a boyfriend, right? Like when you put it in a way of like a relationship. So if you have an ex that you keep going back to, that's toxic. You know why? It's asking yourself, why are you going to it? Right. And that's literally why I kept asking with the alcohol. Because like when we get to the whys, then we can go to other things for another purpose. But with weed, something that has helped me, like, and this is the emphasis on the relationship part, is because I realized that I was using weed to feel different. So you see how you just said depression came up. And so now I want to smoke. Yeah. A feeling came and your body is like, oh. We, even if sometimes, because in our mind, it's like, oh, I'm not running away. I'm not scared. I just want to feel that way. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So, like, whatever way you want to look at it, either you're running away from the depression or you're like, oh, I just don't, I just want to be over here. I just want to be hot. I'm good, though. Uh-huh. Okay. So, it's just understanding that when that comes up, I want to shift. And weed is my car. And so, it's, that's the conditioning. What happens is the feeling comes up and the brain says, oh, depression is here. What helps us? Weed. Let's go get weed. To create a new conditioning, the feeling has to come up and you have to just hold it sober. So your brain knows, oh, we can either be sober or we can smoke. But when smoking is the only answer, then your brain only knows knows smoking. So for me, I am the same. When I am depressed and I'm on Zoloft now, as you know. So like for my anxiety and depression... Um, like when I do get depressed or whatever, like I have the, the, the impulse and urge to smoke. And instead it's like, I have a boundary with substances where I don't use them to feel different. I only use them to have fun. But now I'm like sober again, but I'm, I'm like, I'm sober right now. But, um, that when I am like, you know, not sober, it's when it comes up, when that impulse comes up, I look at me like, Ooh, I want to smoke. I'm like, Ooh, I want to smoke. Okay, so why do I want to smoke? Like having that dialogue I, with myself. I have to do that with yeah. um, alcohol. Mm-hmm. I am now doing that with weed. Um, and I know I will get to a point where I have conquered this too. But Don't even look at it as conquering. conquering. And, no. and because when you put a finish line to something, you kind of shame yourself for the progress or where you are or not. Okay. Where you are or where you are not. It's kind of like, oh, if if conquering is 200 meters away, damn, I'm only 10 meters in. Yeah. So you 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 feel even more defeated and like, damn, it's a long way to go. That's why God shows you the vision and doesn't show you the journey. Because if he told you it would take 10 years for your dreams to come true, you'd be like, oof. Child. I don't know. That's why he shows you rich. That's why he shows you being that doctor. Why he shows you being a mother. Instead of showing you the four boyfriends you got to go through before you find your husband. Yeah. Okay, so it's like when you make a finish line, it you see how you know how far back you are. But when you just see it's a journey, that's how you just keep it in the journey. There is no finish line. I'm just getting better every time I try. Yeah, and it's celebrating where you are now because you're just gonna keep growing. So when you celebrate where you are, it doesn't invalidate where you are and the work you've done. Does that make sense? Perfect. Yeah, because like you're such in a great place, and I think that. When you do close your eyes, yes, that vision like of where you want to be and who you want to be, it is great to keep that intact. But at the same time, when you use that as an indicator of how far 
close you are to it or away you are, you start invalidating yourself. You start getting vigilant about, I need to work harder. Or you start being hard on yourself. Yeah. Um, and Who's so, to say, like, when that vision will come true? You know, who's to say, like, what road I'll be on when that comes true? Yeah. Um, it might be on a path that I think I'm not supposed to be on. But, yeah. you know, this whole thing yeah. of life is... It's the journey. And the great thing about journey. the journey is when you stop thinking about the finish line or making finish lines, at some point, you're just going to look up and be like, oh, shit, I finished two years ago. Because <laughs> you stopped looking at the finish line. Yeah. You stop looking. So it's like, oh, shit. Oh, damn. I already did three laps. Right. I only wanted to do one. Right. And you just keep growing. Yeah. But when you make a finish line, sometimes you get there and you sit down and you're done. I can, like, relate this to journaling. Like, before I'll be like, I'm only going to write a page. And I hated that I used to give myself a cap. Like, girl, write until you don't want to write like anymore. It, yeah. And it's just a better mindset to have. Yeah. There's no cap. It's just when it's done, it's done. Thanks for coming, Mary. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being on the podcast. (laughs) I really appreciate you, your transparency, your vulnerability, your authenticity, your light, your smile, your love, your beauty, your candor, everything about you. I think that you are the way that you vulnerably vulnerability <laughs> you know what I'm trying to you got it <laughs> <laughs> live life I think that that is strength and I think how much you cry is strength I think that how much you feel is strength I think that allowing yourselves to feel that and to present that and to show that and to live in that is strength do you know how many people are running away from that too many it's uncomfortable it's yeah it's scary it, it not only has an emotional effect, a mental effect, but you see your body shaking. You're, you're, you I start literally holding was stress trembling. In your, in your back. Like, it's uncomfortable. And so for you to sit, one, on camera and on this podcast and in your life, because this is how we talk regularly. Yeah. And to do that, that's power. And the more you do it, the more your power grows. And that's why I'm a healer, because the more people heal, the, the power, the power, the power, the power. <laughs> so thank you for coming. And I love you. I love you too. Um, and I want to thank everybody else. Uh, everybody else. Everybody for being here and listening um, and watching if you're on YouTube. Uh, if you could, please rate this podcast and review. It would really mean a lot to me. I like to hear how this podcast is helping you, how you would like to, it to improve, anything. Anything you have to say. Um, my name is Tariq Ali. I really love you. And I hope that you're making space for yourself and taking care of yourself. And I'll see you on the next episode. Bye-bye. Bye, guys. Hey, it's Tariq Ali. A little birdie told me that you wish there was more frequent uploads to help you in your healing journey and that you didn't have to wait months for the next podcast episode. Well, now you don't have to. Check the description to find out how you can leap into healing, the subscriber edition of this podcast where you will get weekly episodes. Yep. You heard me. Weekly episodes. These exclusive subscriber-only episodes will include tools and tangible practices and methods I've come up with to help you heal and grow, reviews of the main show episodes for messages you may have missed, and even more bonus episodes like affirmations, mindset shifts, and Ask Tariq. Check out the description so you can find out more and start leaping into healing today.